we come to the conclusion today of a six-week series talking about the relationship principles of Jesus. One of the things that we've talked about that's been consistent throughout this whole series is this, is that there's a close connection between loving God and loving people. It's not two separate items. Uh, when we first explored the first week, we talked about the great commandment which Jesus said when somebody asked him, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said something that kind of stunned them because he says, and second is love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he's saying there's this connection between the two. They didn't ask for two commandments. They just asked for one. And he said, you can't separate the two. And then the second week we talked about the whole thing of, of what is the measure of our love? How do we love other people? How do we measure how we love other people? And, and in Scripture, Jesus says to us, he says, the measure with which we love other people is the measure with which God loves us. That is the standard. That's the standard which, by which we love other people. And then we've talked about other things, about not judging, about serving, other issues. Today we come to probably one of the most simple but profound verses in all of Scripture, probably the most quoted verse in all of Scripture, found over in Matthew and in Luke. And we're going to actually going to look in Luke, I mean in Matthew today, because uh, not that it matters really, but uh, there is a different context here to the two passages. I th put the passage in Luke in your bulletin outline so you can look it up later in a context. Uh, but we're going to look at the one in Matthew, which is says the same thing, just a, a slightly different context. Uh, and it's called, it's called the, uh, uh, the, the golden rule. Now, as we begin today, I'm always amazed so often in life by uh, some of the things that people would write to God. Have you ever thought about writing God a letter? If you wrote God a letter, what would you ask him? If you could ask him maybe a question, what would you do? Well, there was a book actually produced a several years ago called Children's Letters to God. Some guys actually asked kids to write uh, questions to God, and they comp compiled them into a book. And here's a few things they had to say. A little girl named Allison wrote, Dear God, I read the Bible, and I want to know, what does begat mean? Nobody wants to tell me. Obviously, she read King James Version of the Bible. Uh, Lucy wrote, Dear God, are you really invisible or is it just a trick? Thought that was a good, that was a good question kid would write. A little girl named Joyce wrote, Dear God, thank you for the, for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Our daughter did the same thing. It was kind of strange, you know. Um, and then a little girl named Darla came up with her own translation of the golden rule, and she wrote, Dear Mr. God, do you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you did, then I'm really going to fix my brother. Now, Darla isn't the only person that's ever um, creatively translated the golden rule. I have found in recent years, after living in Illinois for a while, that in Chicago, Chicago politicians have their own version of the golden rule. This is their version. Do unto others before they do unto you. And you know what I mean if you lived in this area any time at all. The thing is, is that Matthew... Uh, in Matthew 7, where Jesus says, this is not, that's not the version that Jesus says, though. In the middle of Matthew uh, chapter 7 there, as Jesus is teaching uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going through all the different things he's teaching, he says this, he says, so in everything, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. In a sense, he's saying to us here, and he's saying to the, to the, uh, uh, the listeners at that time, 
This is kind of the Cliff Notes version of the Bible's entire teaching on how to relate to others. That's why I saved it to the last of this thing, because after we've talked about everything else about what Jesus said about relationships, and we only hit the surface because there's so many verses, uh, the golden rule can be the summation, if we understand the golden rule, the summation of how we have good relationships, that God's principles for relationships. Virtually every religious system has a version of the golden rule. However, the difference is, is that all other religions express it in a negative way instead of a positive way. Let me give you some examples. And, there, and you can go and look at almost every religious system has some, some kind of version of this. Uh, example, uh, Confucius. Ever heard of Confucius? Confucius says. Um, Confucius said this. He says, what, do you, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Similar to the golden rule, but slightly different because it's, it's about the negative. Uh, four, in 400 uh, uh, B.C., a philosopher of Athens taught this, whatever angers you when you suffer at the hands of others, do not do to others. Very similar version. And then a young man came to the great Jewish rabbi, Halal, and uh, said to him, I'm ready to convert to Judaism on one condition. He says that you teach me the whole law while I am standing on one leg. And you're going like, that's kind of strange. Basically what he was saying is this, he says, cut through all the stuff you know, if I can stand on one leg and if you can tell me this, I'll convert to Judaism. And uh, so cut through the whole thing. Give me the very basics of what it would say. Then I'll be interested. And then Halil commented, and this was his commentary on that. He says, what is hateful to yourself, do to no other. That is the whole law and the rest is commentary. So we see that, you know, that there's different versions of this golden rule throughout every religious system. But there's a difference because it's always always in the negative. Jesus puts it in the positive when he says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. The couple of differences it's important to, to uh, look at this morning is this. First, the negative version of the, of the golden rule was based on self-interest. It was based on self-interest. Almost all these others are, I won't hurt you because uh, I hope in return you won't hurt me. You know, it's, it's, it's about the negative things. It's about self-interest. It's, it's just about protecting your self-interest. That's what those versions of the golden rule are in other, other uh, translations. But the golden rule is based on, the, the golden rule that Jesus gives us is based on selfless generosity. It's a totally different slant to what it's, it's it calls us to be loving toward others regardless of whether they return the favor or not. A second thing, the difference between the other versions that we see in other religious systems and the one that Jesus gave us is uh, the negative version allows you to live a passive life um, by merely complying with the laws of society. But the golden rule goes far beyond it. It calls us, in a real sense, uh, to go on the offensive by deliberately choosing a policy of being kind and caring toward others. Let me give you an example of that. For instance, let's just say, uh, how, let's, let's say we have rules about how to use your car, okay? If you use the negative uh, slant of the, of the golden rule, just using this as an example, uh, it would be the negative law would tell you, well, just don't run over anybody and make sure you don't cross the center line and drink while you drive. That would be that version. But the golden rule, the one that Jesus teaches us in Matthew uh, chapter 7, and also in Luke chapter 6, says to us this, it says, uh, when you someone needs a ride, go out of the way to give them one. 
There's a big difference between the positive slant that Jesus gives us and the negative slant that other religious systems talk about when they talk about this golden rule. Imagine for a moment what it would be like if we, we actually lived out the teachings of the golden rule in our lives. Everyone did that. Just think about what the world would be like if we actively appropriated and used this rule in all of our lives. We wouldn't have to lock our doors at night. We could send our kids to the park without worrying about them. We could shake hands on a business deal and feel confident that we wouldn't be double-crossed. There would be no office politics, no hurtful gossip, no racism, no drive-by shootings, no hate crimes. We would live in a world of forgiveness and compassion and peace and goodwill and even unfailing good manners. Even teenagers would say thank you. And please, nothing about teenagers that's bad. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about here. If we all lived by the golden rule in our life, this is the way the world would be. And yet the world isn't like that, is it? I don't believe, uh, is it because the golden rule is too complicated? Is it because do unto others what you would have them do unto you? Is that complicated? Is that the reason that we don't live by the golden rule? No, I don't think it's an issue of the head. I think it's an issue of the heart. If we're honest about it, most of our hearts are too busy. We talked about this last week. Most of our hearts are too busy and too preoccupied with ourselves. And because of that, we don't always look at the needs of other people. Even people, uh, when people do need help, sometimes, often we're so motivated by our own self-interest that we don't look at the needs of other people. And that's why Jesus says this is the, the ultimate relational principle. This is the thing that if you follow this one principle uh, closely, you can help your relationships incredibly well because we don't always live by that. Uh, you know, there's kind of an example of that is one day some people were, on a cold winter's day were looking in the window of a pet shop doing some window shopping. And so they were staying there as a bunch of puppies in a, in a pet shop window. And there was this little litter of puppies, and they were all snuggling with each other. And one person commented how cute they were. And then they said this, isn't that loving of them to try to keep each other warm that way because they were all bundled together? And then the other person kind of burst their bubble by saying this, well, actually, they're not trying to keep each other warm. They're trying to keep themselves warm. So often we do things um, that may seem to be loving, but necessarily is not necessarily is. So in contrast, living by the golden rule means to keep somebody else warm, even if it means that we might get a little cold in the process. Now this morning, I want to give you some applications of the golden rule in a way that will help you to remember. I, that's the whole purpose of teaching Scripture is not just so you said, oh yeah, I know it's the golden rule, relationship principle. That's great. Let me give you an acrostic this morning. Uh, four points that will help you to, to remember some basic steps in applying the golden rule to your life and to my life. How do we do that? And this acrostic uh, basically is around the world, the word gold, around the word gold, so gold. And the G stands for God, the O stands for others, the L stands for love, and the D stands for decide. Now, we're going to talk about what this means in regards to application and what teachers, uh, Scripture teaches us in regard to application of this golden rule. Now, the G stands for God. It means this. Remind yourself of the value that God places on people. The first thing 
if we're going to apply the golden rule, is we need to remind ourselves of the value that God places on people. This can motivate us to extend ourselves to treat others as we ourselves would want to be treated, but it's not a natural thing to do. It means we need to look at people through God's eyes. Let me tell you something. We're in a process as a church of examining uh, and from a leadership perspective, what are the next steps in the life of the church? We don't need to change where we're going. We just need to ask ourselves, what are going to be the things that we need to focus our attention on over the next three to five years in the life of the church? And as we've gone through this whole thing, one of the things we understand that we need to focus our attention on is to help people to learn how to love other people and have more compassion for people outside of themselves better. We talked about this earlier this year where we said we as a church can easily become settlers. Instead of pioneers. Pioneers are people who look outward. Settlers are people who look inward. And so one of our challenges from a leadership perspective is to help ourselves and you to begin the process of asking, how can I become more others-focused? And this is what this is about. Not only others-focused, but focused in looking at people through the eyes of God. How do other people see them? And so that's the first thing in applying the golden rule. Uh, remind ourselves of the value that God places on people. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says this, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, I don't know about you, the only way I can look at your heart is to go to the hospital and do one of those uh, imaging things, you know? But does that really tell me anything about your motivations, about who you are? No, it only tells about whether your heart's working or not. And so the thing is, sometimes it's difficult uh, for us, because I, it's easily to look at the out, easily for us to look at the outside of someone, but it's not always easy for us to know what a person's heart is, their motivations are. I like the story of a British laborer. His name was J. L. Wookie. I thought it was a cool name, Wookie. What a name! Uh, <clears throat> it's a true story. One day he came upon a smoldering heap of trash, and he picked up a stick to poke around to see if there were was anything of value in the trash that somebody had burned. But all he found was trash, old shirts, worn-out shoes. And then his eye caught a leather-bound book that was charred and still smoldering. He picked it up and decided it wasn't worth much after all, so he tossed it into the trunk of his car. And it remained there for seven years. As he was going through the uh, moving one, one day a few years later, he came across it and decided to bring it along with him. And he moved to North America. He was over in, over in England. He took it to an expert, though. He, saw, he started looking at the book and thought, oh, this looks like it might be something old. You know, he probably watched the show, you know, that uh, show where people bring their antiques to, you know, and to see if it's worth something. And all of a sudden, oh, they find it's worth nothing or something great. Who knows? And he, anyway, he came to cross and decided to bring it along. And he got there, he took it to an expert, and they gave him some amazing news. When the experts opened the cover of the scorched and beat-up book, the book that looked like trash and had sat in his car for years, they found that it was a 300-year-old masterpiece written by a 17th-century British author who I never heard of before. It was valued at more than $100,000. Makes you want to clean out your attic, doesn't it? You know, when you, when you hear stories like, true story, that's a true story. But he looked at the outside of that smoldering book, and he looked at it as a piece of garbage. But the inside proved to be something else. We tend to focus on the outside of people that's been singed and scarred by sin. But the Bible says that God looks at our hearts. That's the important part. And 
We are valued by God. Each one of us are valued by God. His son, we're getting ready to celebrate in a few weeks here, and only three weeks away, uh, we're going to celebrate Easter. Only three weeks away. We're going to celebrate Easter. And at Easter, we celebrate every year, but it really we celebrate all the time as a Christian church the fact that Jesus Christ, God, sent his son to die upon a cross for everybody, not just those who get it right. Not just those who have cleaned up their act. Not just those who everything look good on the outside. And so if we're to apply the golden rule in our lives, we first must, need, must begin the process of asking ourselves, you know, we need to look at, our, at people differently. Look at their value to God. And ask, okay, if God values this person, how can I value them? So the first thing that we need to do is we need to look at uh, the, the way that God values people. That's the first. That's the G in gold. The O stands for others. It's, it's this. We need to see the situation from the viewpoint of others. We're more inclined to treat others as we'd like to be treated when we put ourselves in their shoes. I mean, there's all kinds of sayings about, you know, putting yourselves in other people's shoes is a way of beginning to treat them in a different way. In Galatians 6, 2, it says this, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, how can we carry another person's burdens? You can't do it until you understand the burden that they, they, as they see it, in a real sense. As you spend the time doing that, you ever get cynical about people? You ever get cynical about people? Just, just be honest. I'm raising my hand, okay? I mean, I just sometimes just get tired of people. You don't see the best in people, so you just kind of like, you think everybody's just that way. Once in a while, though, God brings into your life something to remind you of the intrinsic goodness of a lot of people. That not everybody is, you know, out for their own. I remember a few years ago, when Vicki and I were still living in Keith, and we were still living in, in Virginia, um, we'd gone to a place in Greensboro, North Carolina, which was uh, a water park there, and it's about, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from our house, and it was late on, a, on a, a Saturday evening coming back, and we were coming through a town about an hour and a half away. We'd gotten about halfway back, hour and a half away from, uh, from Roanoke, where we lived, and our car broke down on a stretch of road there that's kind of like uh, 116. Uh, through a, near a town called Martinsville, Virginia. Except it was on a Saturday evening, okay? I don't know if you know about, you know, small towns. It's kind of like it is in Illinois. Small towns kind of shut down after 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock on a Saturday evening. You don't find repair shops. And we were sitting here, and this was before we had cell phones, okay? This was before we had a lot of, you know, a lot of the stuff we do now. And we were sitting there on the interstate, you know, and Keith was real young, and we had another kid with us too, and we're going like, oh gosh, what are we going to do? And so we sit there, and there, you know, and um, finally a state policeman pulls up. Come to find out that he was actually off duty on his way back from a, from a, um, from a con- uh, convention, just happened to see us there, pulls up, and he says, hey, I'll tell you what, I'll take you into Martinsville, which is about five miles. I'll take you in. I know of a place there that probably is open and has a tow truck. They can tow you in, and you can figure out from there what's going to go on. And so he took us there, and we're going, okay, that's great. And so got Vicky and Keith and this other child, and we went on into, uh, into town. And the, policeman, the state policeman took us there, made sure we were all right, and took off. And so we were here at this gas station, 
that, that worked on cars too. It's one of those old style gas stations that actually worked on cars. And he, they had a tow truck and he went and he towed our car in and he looked at it for a few minutes and said, well, what you have is you have this, and he named something that I have a clue what it was. And, um, and then he said, it's going to take, you know, I, I can fix it, but it, I, the parts stores are closed. It's going to be Monday before we can fix it. <clears throat> I'm going, okay, okay. And I was thinking, my parents were out of town in, in uh, Roanoke. I think Vicky's parents were out of town. I'm going, who are we going to call? And the guy looks at us, this guy we had never met in our whole life, this guy that ran this gas station, had this tow truck, and he looks at us and he says, let me tell you what. He says, i tell you what, you just borrow my car. And you take it back. And I said, yeah, but, but, yeah, but we, we can't get back here. I, I can come and bring it back tonight, I guess. And find, he said, no, no, no. You just take it with you. And you take it to, you know, to Roanoke and drive it and drive it back. And when you pick up your car, we'll switch it out. And I said, well, I'll rent it from you, okay? He said, oh, whatever. That's, that was his comment. Well, two days go by. I call on Monday. He'd fixed the car. I drove it back there. I, had some, I drove it back there and got there. And to pick up my car, I, I say, hey, I want to pay you for this. He says, no way. He said, he said you know, uh, I hope somebody would do that for me. Now, when those types of things happen in your life, I, I lose my cynicism for people. I say, you know, there is some good in life, you know. All of a sudden that I see people doing things like that, uh, I see people, he said, you know, if I thought I was in that situation and I was stuck on the road with my kids, I wish somebody would do it for me. He looked and he, he placed himself in our situation. He saw life from our viewpoint. And because of that, he had compassion. Others. See the situation from the viewpoint of others. I think about that and it reminds me that people really do care. And I'll tell you, that's the power of the golden rule. That's what Jesus is talking about. Doing to others as you would have them do unto you. The point is this, though, that when we emphasize, or, or emphasize with the situation of others, we're more inclined to help them than we would uh, if we didn't. So is there somebody in your life you need to crawl into their skin for a while, into their shoes for a while, and ask yourself, okay, what is it that they're going through that I need to do and understand better to love them more? See the situation from the viewpoint of others. The, the, L, the L in gold stands for love, and it means be empowered by the love that comes from beyond yourself. That's the key, beyond yourself. Someone, you know, I told you, we talked about this the first week. Someone asked Jesus what the greatest law was, and he answered in two parts. The first part is love God. The second part is love people. And he had that in order for a purpose. The first part of, the, of love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, that needs to come first. It, why? Because first, because when we open our lives to God and receive his grace, he will over time begin to melt our self-centeredness and help us to become more caring and loving toward others. In Galatians 5.22, it gives a list of characteristics of believers that it, that it becomes increasingly displayed in our lives as we grow in Christ. Uh, we know these uh, as, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those. You notice what comes first? Love. 
Love comes first. When we are connected with God, when we have God into our life, loving God, he begins to work in our lives, and he gives us the strength, the power to love people the way that we're to love people. You know, you and I in and of ourselves cannot love people this way. Uh, Do you ever just, you know, sometimes just get tired, have compassion fatigue, just get worn out, just kind of loving people? Because it takes work. It's work. It takes work to do that. To do the things that needs to be done. First, we have to be connected with God, and then He'll give us the love. Secondly, the thing that happens while we have to be empowered by a love that comes from beyond ourselves is He continually empowers us to spread around love to others. You see, if you try to live out the golden rule without God, it's like drawing from a battery without ever recharging the battery. Mother Teresa put it this way. She said this, The wire to the battery is you and me. The current is God, the the, the source. We have the power to let the current pass through us to use us and produce the light of the world, Jesus Christ. You see, a wire, the wires that are connected to your battery, never run out of current as long as they're connected to a power source. And God's power source, God's love, never runs dry. That's why every morning Mother Teresa had uh, spent time connecting with God in prayer and meditating on the sacrifices that God had, had, had made on her behalf and drinking in his love. Friends, if we try to live out the golden rule, if you try to live out the golden rule on your own without God in your life, you cannot do it because your love will run dry. So that's why... We must first understand that if we live the golden rule, we must be empowered by a love that comes from beyond ourselves. John wrote in 1 John 4, 19, we love because God first loved us. In that order. We have the ability to to have that kind of relationship with people where we love them and and we, we live by the golden rule because God first loved us. He did something to us and he does something through us when he comes, when we accept him as Lord and Savior. So that's the L. The L stands for love. Be empowered by a love that comes from beyond yourself. The D. The D stands for decide. Now, this is an important part of this, folks. Every one of these are important. It's, it's not like you can separate them. Decide. Make the decision to be a difference maker, even in the small acts of everyday life. B. Make the decision to be a difference maker. You need to decide every day you're going to live this uh, this this uh, rule in your life. Because plain and simple, doing for others what you would want them to do for you is the decision of the will. A lot of things are work against us in doing this. Busyness. Let me tell you, nothing will destroy relationships more than busyness, right? We know this. Because relationships take time. And remember what, when we first started this series, back six weeks ago, Jesus said, somebody asked uh, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God, love people. Relationships. Nothing is more important than relationships in this world. And when we put everything else in the world, all the busyness of this world, uh, first, before the relationships, what happens is, uh, they just don't work. It's a decision of a will. A lot of things work against us. Sometimes, though, too, folks, it, uh, we get intimidated into inaction because we see the monumental needs that are out there around us, and we become overwhelmed. But listen, 
No expression of compassion to another human being is a wasted effort. No expression of compassion to another human being is a wasted effort. Going back to Mother Teresa, I think she's the great, the great uh, example of this. Uh, she had a volunteer who, a lady who volunteered with her, another uh, a person who volunteered with her to work with her. And as uh, they were in this process of, of, they were there in Calcutta and they were there amongst the street people. And they came upon this baby, this infant, that was obviously dying. There was nothing they could do. And this volunteer looked at her and said, what can we possibly do? She said, I want you to do this. No, this, this baby was going to die within hours. And she said this, I want you to hold and love this baby as much as you can for the remainder of time that she has. And that's what, mother, that's what this young volunteer did. And she wrote in her journal, she said, you know, as I held that baby, even that young baby responded, even in her weakened condition, responded to the compassion and love that I gave to her, even as she died. You don't have to change the world by loving people. Just in the course of everyday life, small, common courtesies and helping those in need, uh, merely do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And it will make a difference in both their life and your own. You know, I will never forget a few years ago. It's about um, seven years ago. When I first came here, I had my first experience about flying out of O'Hare Airport. Um, I drove up to O'Hare, and I was going, it was in February, and I was going to fly to Phoenix to a conference there. And when I flew back, it was, at nine, it was supposed to be at 9 o'clock at night, supposed to be in February. And y'all that fly a lot know exactly what the problem is there. Well, by the time the plane got in, it was, it was uh, almost midnight, and I was O'Hare, and I was parked in this satellite parking about as far away as you can from the, from the terminal. And I couldn't really remember very well where my car was because I'd never, and there's like, those of you who know about satellite parking, it's insanity there. I mean, you, 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 I drove in that afternoon. I had like two hours before my plane was taking off. I had to drive into satellite parking. I kind of remembered where I was. I didn't remember the lot I was in. Which satellite lot, you know, like D or Q or something. And, and I remembered that one, and I, and I remembered that. Then I had to get on a tram, and you have to ride this tram to the, to the terminal. And then, you, are, are, and then you, you get off there, and then you get into the terminal, and then you have to go through this whole rigmarole. It was crazy. Well, I come in at midnight in winter, and I'm going like, am I ever going to find my car? And so I remember, like I said, I remembered the... the, the um, the lot, and so after an hour and a half of riding on on the what I call it tram monorail, whatever that thing is, you drive the satellite lots in. I get out there, and there's this guy sitting there on a bus, and I didn't know they even had the buses that did this, but he he was actually going to his job is to take you around and to find your car. Well. I said, I think it's over there. And he's kind of laughing. He said, well, let me tell you what. I will take you, and we'll find it. And I was the only person on the bus. You know, it was a huge bus, full-size bus, me and the driver. For the next 45 minutes, <laughs> we drove all over the place. Finally found my car. After, I think it was the last row we drove in. Huge lot, huge lot. 
Finally found our, my car. And he says, let me tell you what I thought. I was th- thinking, oh, boy, he's sure be glad to get rid of me. But the, but the guy said, let me, I'm going to sit here and wait and make sure, you know. And he, and he came out, and, and uh, at first my car wouldn't start. It had been sitting there for five days, sub-zero weather. He came out and helped me get it started, waited, thank, uh, and, and was incredibly, I tried to give him a tip. I said, no, 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 this is my job. I love doing this. And I'm thinking, you know, that's a sm- I will never forget that guy because he was so, he was so nice. I'm going, if I ever fly to O'Hare again, I'm going to fly at midnight so I can, you know, hang out with this guy because that small common courtesy, those things that he did, he didn't have to do those things. He could have dropped me off, taken off and, you know, chilled out on the bus somewhere else instead of getting out in the cold and helping me. But you see, it's the small things we do day in and day out, these small decisions to be a difference maker in people's lives Those are the things that it means to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. That's what the golden rule is. It's it's about doing all these things. Here, listen to what the Bible says in James 1, verses 22 through 25. It says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We need to remind ourselves that we're going to live out the golden rule of the infinite value that God places on each person. We need to see each situation from the other person's viewpoint. We need to be empowered by the love that comes from beyond ourselves, And we need to make a decision to be a difference maker, even in the small acts of everyday life. The golden rule is the epitome of what God speaks to us about in regard to relationship principles in Scripture. I hope over the last six weeks, if we examine these rules, that they're not just things to put on a chart and say, oh, that's great, that's great rules. But we've made a decision to live out these rules to do what it says in James, to not be simply hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word as well. Because God gives it to us, not as just simply a list of rules, but He gives it to us for our benefit. And if we want to make our, our relationships better and better and better and better, we follow the master plan of the person who designed the whole thing of relationships, God and His Son, Jesus Christ, who gives us these rules. Next week, we're going to talk for two weeks beginning for two weeks, talking about of how we can, in a sense, live out this in other people's lives. We're going to talk about investing in people's lives and inviting. Remember at the first of the year, if you were here, I gave you something to work on this year? It was called a list of 10 in 2010. I said, you know, make a list of 10 people this year in 2010 that you want to make an impact into their lives. Bring your list with you next week. If you haven't made it up, make one up. Because we're going to start for the next couple of weeks and for the weeks following that, we're going to start talking about how to make an impact in people's lives around you in such a way that we can help, you can help them and be used by God to help them to take their next step towards God by investing in their lives and by inviting them to either events or even to Jesus Christ himself. 
Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.